morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Bernard, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Easter season as the light of Christ shines on us from 1 John chapter 4. In, this, in these verses today, these first six verses, it is, it is an important reminder for us that words matter. This is why we have the creed. This is why we have the small catechism. Well, ultimately, this is why we have the word of God, because words matter. They bring life or they bring death, and they can be also very confusing. Letters matter because how the letter is uh, used and where it is used can change the, the definition. And capitalization matters as well. So this is something that we have to remember. Spirit or spirit. Spirit or spirits. Sounds very similar. What's the big deal about one letter or a capital letter? Is it different at all? But when we look at scripture, it does matter. There is a difference and we will be going through that today as John once again points us to truth. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word this morning, we welcome regular guest Pastor Tom Eckstein of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. Pastor Eckstein, a blessed Easter season, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Yes, great to be back. Pastor, what's going on for you this uh, post, not post-Easter, that's the wrong word, because we're in the Easter season, but as you are hopefully not still recovering from Easter, but the spring for your family and for the saints at Concordia. Yeah, things are going well here. We're, uh, uh, we're, we're getting a lot of rain, uh, so thank <laughs> God that the snow is finally gone. I'm, I'm about ready to put my snowblower away, so uh, that, that, that's a sign that spring is finally here. But, uh, but other than that, uh, one other thing that's going on in our life, our, our son-in-law, who just finished his fourth year at Concordia uh, Seminary in Fort Wayne, uh, he got he got placed at his first congregation, uh, and uh, which is going to be Redeemer in Lubbock, Texas. So uh, oh. uh, he just set his ordination date. It's going to be the last Sunday of June. So in a few weeks, we're going to get in our uh, Toyota Sienna and drive all the way from North Dakota to Lubbock, Texas. So we're looking forward to that. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you should connect him with our, our host of uh, Sharper Iron at 8 o'clock, Pastor Tim Apple, and connect with him and and just, you know, another good person for him to connect with and brother in ministry. And secondly, reminder to our listeners that, you know, these guys are going out, these church workers are going out into ministry, and it's just it's just kind of a mind blow. You're like, what is going on? What am I doing? This people These people are calling me pastor. I've never been a pastor. I thought I had a first name. All these things. And and so keep um, these pastors, our future pastors, in your prayers, their wives, and also if they have a family, their families as well. And so what a joy that will be for you. Pastor, anything else you want to highlight before we dig in? Well, that should be it at this point. <laughs> That's good enough. Here we go, Pastor. We're here to be in the Word. Can you begin our time in prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you and we thank you so much that through your apostles, uh, we have the teaching of your Son, uh, who is the foundation of all truth. And Lord, uh, we still live in a world where many false prophets are leading people away 
from your son uh, with the lies of the evil one. So today, Lord, as we study your word, help us to learn from your Apostle John how we can distinguish truth from error, how we can distinguish your spirit from the false spirits of this world, uh, and help us to continue to be faithful witnesses to you uh, in our world today that those who are still lost in darkness may be uh, brought into the light of your saving word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today from 1 John chapter 4, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call on this live program, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, I want to begin this way this morning, is to start with a small catechism on the what's called the third article of the Creed, which speaks about the Holy Spirit. I want to read the meaning of this third article, and then I want to get some of your thoughts on how you teach about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, because today we're not only going to talk about that, but what it isn't, which is an important piece of teaching as well. But I thought we'd start with the confession of what we believe about the Holy Spirit, and then we are more faithfully and easily being able to speak about what is not the Holy Spirit. So um, the third article of the small catechism, what does this mean? And Luther writes, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. Pastor, as we hear these words about what the Holy Spirit is, um, I mean, this is already a small catechism, but you want to make any highlights or make it even shorter. If someone said, what is the Holy Spirit based on these words in Scripture? How would you how would you proclaim that? Well, again, it's, it's important to say no less and no more than, than what Scripture says. Uh, otherwise, we're just shooting in the dark and coming up with our own speculation. But what what God says of Himself is that obviously uh, we, we we can't do a whole uh, episode on the Trinity, obviously. But the Bible says there's only one God, but He exists as three distinct and united persons: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see the Holy Spirit all, all through Scripture. We, we see Him already in the beginning, you know, the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. And, and throughout the Old Testament, there is reference uh, to the Holy Spirit working through the apostles and, and or uh, the prophets of God and the like. But especially when we get to the New Testament, we, we, we see, for example, at Jesus' baptism, we, we have the Son of God in human flesh, the Father speaking from heaven, and then the Spirit descending. And then um, and then, especially in John's Gospel, uh, in light of the fact that we're in 1 John, written by the same Apostle, you know, Jesus talks about sending the, the paraclete, or the counselor. And, and it's very important to see that in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is not a force, uh, a mere power, or, or, or mm. the energy of God, but the Holy Spirit is a person, uh, uh, an actual uh, uh, individual uh uh, with whom we can have a relationship. And and so um, uh, that's one reason we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and one thing we see from Scripture, uh, not only 
who the spirit is, uh, uh, the, one of the persons of the, the triune Godhead, but, but the work of the spirit that is unique is that, and we see this reflected in the Nicene Creed and also in Luther's explanation uh, 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 in his small catechism of the Apostles' Creed, and that is that the work of the spirit is to, to convict of sin and to, to create in us a new heart of faith uh, so that we can receive uh, the benefits of the second article. The second article of the creed is, of course, the work of Christ, his life, death, resurrection for us. But that, that needs to be received through faith. Uh, if we reject Christ and his gifts, we can't be saved. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to work through the gospel, which would be God's uh, a regenerative actions through baptism, through the preaching of the word, uh, and so that our hearts might be receptive to the gifts of Christ and not not push them away. So that's one reason, for example, the Nicene Creed talks about the Holy Spirit as the Lord and giver of life. Uh, the very fact that, that we have faith at all is the result of the Holy Spirit uh, working in us. Or as Jesus says in John 3, you must be born again of water and the Spirit, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit, meaning it's the Holy Spirit that, that brings us uh, to faith in Christ uh, so that we now say back to God what He says to us. So this is, I mean, you, wow, that was great, because we we're breaking it down, proclaiming exactly what it is. And I love 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, that says, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And and that is exactly what the small catechism speaks of. That's exactly how you gave us that proclamation of who the Holy Spirit is. And today we're going to talk about some of that confusion of, uh, for example, that I can be at a basketball game, a Sartell basketball game, and they're playing soccer rapids or something. And while we're doing this, uh, we're playing the game. And all of a sudden, one team stands up and says, we have the spirit. Yes, we do. We have the spirit. How about you? And then that brings us to a new reality of what is the spirit and, and, and so forth. And so we just, we're going to talk about that, make sure we have the distinctions correct. And so now I think, Pastor, we've laid the groundwork. I think I'm ready to get in the word. Anything else you want to highlight before we do? Just in light of the comment you just gave, you know, that, that word spirit, even in Scripture, um, uh, we in the Hebrew, ruach, or in, in the Greek, uh, pneumatus, mm. you know, we can see uh, those words used differently depending on the context. Because there, there, mm. there are times where spirit can just refer to, to like, uh, breath or wind, or sometimes to just uh, the collective um, uh, energy or 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 uh, enthusiasm of a group of people, like we got spirit. How about you? But but then there are times when the Bible is very clear: the spirit of God, um, the 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 enthusiasm, the energy, the truth that comes from God, uh, uh, is not just uh, some. Uh, impersonal force, but an actual person who who not only communicates with the Father and the Son, but also communicates with us and 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 gives us life and brings us to the Father through the Son. So it's always important uh, when we go on to define, you know, what is spirit and how do we distinguish, you know, the spirit. Uh, of God from, you know, the spirit of a, a particular uh, group of fans at a basketball game. Well, context is important. We have, we have to look at, at uh, what, what, what the Scripture is saying about who the Spirit is and what He does. Very good. So let's let's just dig into the text little by little. And, and beginning in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, 
and and we're reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture. So we're just going to go verse by verse this morning. So let us begin. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. We hear the word of God. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So, Pastor, right away, it says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. So, my kids are going through all this testing called MCAs at school. Is that something similar? How would we talk about testing the spirits and the spirit small s? What do you, what do you want? How do you want to begin? Yeah. Well, uh, it, you know, every individual, you, you could say, has a spirit in the sense that we have something that goes out from us, uh, which is uh, a confession, an opinion, uh, a worldview, whatever you may have it. And so one way you can think of the Holy Spirit in Scripture, uh, not only is the, 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 the Bible clear that the Holy Spirit is a person, uh, uh, again, part of the triune God, but you could think of the Holy Spirit as, as, as the person of God who uh, uh, delivers to us uh, the, the teaching, the, the, the worldview of God himself, who happens to be creator of all things. So where, whereas you and I might have our own opinions about things, um, those opinions aren't absolute. Uh, whereas God is the truth. Uh, his word is truth. It's not just an opinion, one relative um, you know, uh, view among others, but God is truth. And so when the Spirit communicates His Word to us, that is the standard for deciding good from evil, right from wrong, truth from error. And, and so uh, here we see that, that when, when, we, when John says there are many false prophets, many false spirits in the world, uh, what he means is that there are many people who are making a, a confession, uh, uh, but those confessions are not necessarily in line with the confession giving us, given to us by the Holy Spirit, who, who, who has inspired the apostles to convey to us the teaching of Jesus. Because what's interesting in, in the Gospel of John, uh, uh, Jesus talks about how the Counselor, the Spirit, uh, will help the apostles recall all that Jesus gave to them so that they can pass on this truth to the world, uh, which is one thing we mean when we talk about the Holy Scriptures being inspired. And so um, the, it's important to realize that the apostles were inspired in a way that none of us were. Um, uh, we hear that a lot today where people will say, well, the Holy Spirit's leading me to believe this, or the Holy Spirit's leading me, leading me to believe that. Well, you might get a lot of these false prophets coming and saying, well, this is what the Holy Spirit led me to teach you. Well, John says you need to test that. Well, how do you test that? With the Spirit-inspired teaching that Jesus gave his apostles. That's why Jesus later on in John 17, in his high priestly prayer, he talks about sanctifying his disciples by his truth and his word is truth. And then he says, I'm going to go on and pray, not just for the apostles, but for all those who will believe in me through their teaching. So when John says here that you have to test the spirits, what he means is you have to test them based on the absolute standard that the Holy Spirit has given us through Jesus' apostles. And here, there is that, I mean, it's very important, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, very important that we see the Word uh, of God. And this has been fascinating to me because faith comes by hearing, you know, but also the way he writes is very important for us because it says in verse one, do not believe every spirit, 
but rest, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Now, if you hear that, you might think that the, you know, do not believe every spirit, you might, it could be a capital S or a small S. And though the spirits, we know for a fact that the spirits are more than likely not from God because the Holy Spirit is one, as you've said so well, it is a he, it is a, it is a person, it is, is God, a triune God. But so we can kind of get the spirit saying, but then spirit I mean, there's a that's a big difference from a, a capital S or a small S. Any thoughts on on that distinction for the, our listeners as they well test the spirits, but also look at the Word of God and importance of interpretation. Well, I think one thing John is doing here, uh, uh, you know, the difference between big S spirit and small S spirits, first of all, uh, making a distinction of identity, the, the, the Holy Spirit is, is part of the triune God. Um, that he is the creator, not part of creation. And again, uh, a person who, who communicates to us through the word and not merely an impersonal force. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, on the flip side of that, you have other spirits. And it's, it's interesting, and, and, and John alludes to this in, in, in the rest of his epistle, that, that those who, whose confession is in conflict with the testimony given by the Spirit, the Spirit through Christ's apostles, um, they're speaking by another Spirit, and that would not be the Creator Spirit, the Holy Spirit, but uh, created spirits. And what we find in John and the rest of Scripture is that behind every false teaching, behind every false religion, are the devil and his demons. And so um, we, we, we have these false spirits uh, that, uh, as far as identity-wise, they are created beings, not the creator. And secondly, uh, uh, as far as what they speak, um, uh, these created spirits speak in opposition to God uh, and, and the truth that the Holy Spirit has given us through Christ's apostles. And, and, and this is why we see even in Genesis, we, we have the devil tempting Adam and Eve, and, and the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, uh, did God really say? And so we get a different confession here. So it's very interesting, you know, uh, how do we distinguish the, uh, the teaching of the Holy Spirit from the teaching of false spirits? Well, compare what they're saying with the, the word that has been given to us by the Spirit through Jesus' apostles. And, and, and so John is very clear. If you read the, the whole of First John, he makes it very clear that, that he is an authority. And, 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 and he's not being arrogant here, like, well, uh, listen to me based on my own authority. You know, you got some other people, leaders of cults that do that all the time. Uh, what John is saying here is, listen to me, because if you read the very first words of First of John, he says, um, I was chosen by the one who was from the beginning who I touched and whose words I heard. So in other words, listen to me because I'm one of the apostles of Christ and the spirit Mm -hmm. has inspired me to give you the words of Jesus. And so you test the spirit, uh, spirits by comparing the teaching of, of Christ's apostles with whatever anybody else is saying. And if their teaching does not align with that, then you know that they are not of the spirit of God. And this is where, you know, you have First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, which says, test everything, you know, and not to get people to be cynical, but it is important because we have itching ears that want to hear what we want to hear. So we do have to test everything. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 speaks about deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. 
Now, I found it interesting, too. So this is, I mean, this is a very common theme in the epistles, especially, just very much so that there's a confession of who Jesus is, the truth, the word made flesh. And at the same time, we know there is still evil. Christ has won the victory. He has overcome. At the same time, there is still evil out there um, seeking whom he can devour. Now, now one of the unique things I, I found of a distinction that comes from our Lutheran study Bible is it talks about two different kind of spirits. You have angels and you have demons. And I, I haven't heard as much an angel as being a spirit, but we'll definitely make that distinction that an angel would be a faithful spirit because the angel has no desire to be worshiped itself. Right. So, right. you know, but it's going to always lead us and serve us towards Christ. Uh, but then at the same time, you have the rebellious spirits who are the fallen angels there. And I never I, I haven't quite heard that a lot where we talk about angels being spirits. Any thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, again, that word spirit can be used in a lot of different ways. Uh, and a lot of times people will think, you know, spirit, uh, it, it means some immaterial being. And that, and that certainly can be the case. Um, but but I think here in, in especially John's gospel, uh, the, the whole idea here is, is not only are, are, is he distinguished between the being of the Holy Spirit, who is God, and then these other created spirits who, who speak as created beings, but, but, but also um, we see uh, that, that we, we have to see, okay, where has these spirits spoken? Uh, he has spoken... Uh, through Jesus, uh, who handed on his teaching uh, through the apostles. And so um, uh, it's important to recognize that, that not everybody who claims to be an authority is. And, and so uh, the, the, the way we test the spirits is to compare their teaching with what we would call the, 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 the foundational teaching of the apostles, that uh, uh, was given to them by the Holy Spirit uh, by bringing to their memory uh, everything Jesus taught them. And, and so um, uh, even, I find it interesting that you mentioned angels. Um, even, yeah. even, even God's good angels uh, don't have the right to come and teach us uh, it's like it's not like just if, if an angel of God appears to us, we shouldn't just say, "Well, that's an angel of God." We have to hear what he says. Because remember what the right. Apostle Paul says in Galatians: If even mm-hmm. I or an angel from heaven, from heaven, were to teach you something contrary to gospel, don't believe it. So here we see that that, that even God's angels have not been given the office of conveying. Uh, the, the the foundational teaching of the church that has been oh, given to us by mm-hmm. Christ's apostles and and so uh, again you know the whole Reformation thing uh, of sola scriptura uh, scripture alone is simply recognizing the fact that that the the teaching for all ages has been given to us through Jesus' foundational apostles and so if there's any teaching that comes from anybody even an angel from heaven conflicts with that, then you know that that spirit is not of God. I really like how you said that because I, I was kind of uh, clunky in how I confess that about the faithful spirits because you're right, they're not not there to, uh, you know, confess in the same way. That is the apostles. Now, Pastor, I'm going to ask this because it just popped in my mind, and I'm sure our listeners are wondering about it as well, is it was the angels who came and proclaimed that Christ was born in Bethlehem. So how do we how do we so the distinction there would be that they're confessing in that situation Christ 
who would save us from our sins. He was not saying uh, there's a there's a guy named Joe who could save you from some things or something like that. That was clearly not a biblical principle. Is that how we make that distinction when we look at angels? Yeah, I said, even though obviously God used his angels, I mean, uh, whether it's the Hebrew or Greek word for angel, it simply means messenger. So, so there are times that God uses angels to convey uh, uh, truth to his people. But I find it interesting um, uh, that they're always uh, 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 sort of played down as far as their authority, because when we look at even Jesus, mm-hmm. he never talks about, well, the as was said to you through this angel or that angel, but it's always God's prophets and apostles. God's prophets that's and apostles. That's good. Oh, that's very yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and, so, and, um, and one last thing I wanted to say, this is so please. important to remember in our culture today, because you have some liberal denominations. I think of one particular one that has the slogan, um, God is still speaking. Right. And, you know, that mm. that sounds very appealing. Well, yeah, uh, uh, isn't God still in communication with us today? Sure. Uh, but there's a good way to understand that and a very evil way to understand that. Um, is God still speaking? Yes, through his prophets and apostles in Holy Scripture. Uh, but if God is still speaking means that someone says, well, the Holy Spirit has spoken to me in my heart and led me to believe this. And then what they believe is in conflict with the Holy Spirit uh, uh, given scriptures, then then just because someone says, well, the Holy Spirit has led me to believe this, if what they believe is in conflict with scripture, then you know it wasn't the Holy Spirit who led them to believe that. And so we have many people today claiming to speak in Jesus' name, claiming to be led by the Holy Spirit, but based on their confession, they are not. So, Pastor, let me ask this. We have about two and a half minutes before our break. Is the question of, of when you look around um, in culture, and, and you, you've done a lot of writing, you've spoken a lot of ways of how there is darkness in this world, uh, what do you think is the most common uh, spirit, if you will, or message? You've, you've alluded to this already, that, that anything that points us away from Christ, but is there maybe a little more tangible things that you've seen that are kind of the spirits of this world, that, that the message or whatever the, the situation that we see most common today that we need to make sure we test in our lives. Any thoughts? Well, I think the biggest thing to test, you know, usually we think, oh, our real enemy are are the atheists who simply deny the existence of God altogether. Uh, No, I don't think so. The real enemy are, are people who come like an angel of light. Uh, you know, like, like the devil. and and they'll they'll use uh, even Christian terminology, uh, but when 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 you start to unpack what they're saying, they're they're leading us away from the true Jesus to a false Jesus, and and I, I you see that a lot uh, in our culture today. It's you know I I don't mean to you know. Uh, be negative here, but in a lot of mainline liberal church bodies, you, you have them, you know, we're Christians, and yet what they teach is directly in conflict with Holy Scripture. And, and I think that's even more deceiving for people than someone who just comes right out and says, oh, I'm an atheist, I don't believe there's a God at all. You know, uh, I, I like this Friday, I'm going to be visiting uh, with a couple Mormons. <laughs> Tomorrow, I was invited to mm-hmm. sit and visit with a couple Mormon missionaries. And, and, and uh, you know, I'm hoping to witness the truth to them, but the, here's an example of people who will use the name Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but but their contact, their content is not of the Word of God. So, you know what? Uh, we need to take a break. Uh, we are studying 1 John chapter 4 with Pastor Tom Eckstein, and we'll be right back.
These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back. We are studying 1 John chapter 4 with Pastor Tom Eckstein of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. And Pastor, as we've gotten to the first verse, it's very foundational for the rest of our time. Reminder that it is spirit, small s. Um, this is obviously not a faithful spirit. These are rebellious spirits, as, as I read in a commentary, to test them to make sure it actually is pointing us to Christ versus others. And this is a reality now. This is not something that was in the past when we didn't have good technology or something, that evil still exists today and are is around the world, even in America. So, Pastor, anything else in verse 1? Uh, I, yeah, but I want to uh, – we've got five, three, five more verses to get through, so let's go. That's very true. Here we go. So, verse 2. By this you know the Spirit, capital S, of God. Every spirit, small s, that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. I'm, I'm going to stop there just because that is a bold confession. I mean, this is like John is reading, is, is writing a creed based on Scripture. And, Pastor, just give us the basics. Verse 2, what does it tell us about the Spirit of God? Okay. Well, first of all, remember, we, by God's Spirit here, we're referring to the Holy Spirit, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Creator, one of the persons of the Godhood, uh, Godhead. And, and here we see that, that everyone um, who is, is speaking in accord with the Holy Spirit, and again, um, let me just take a brief sidestep here, um, to speak in accord with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, uh, means to, to be speaking in harmony with God's revealed Word, God's Spirit-inspired Word in Holy Scripture. In other words, the Holy Spirit does not speak to us immediately or directly in our hearts. Um, what, what Martin Luther would call with a fancy word, enthusiasm. You know, uh, it's not like the Holy Spirit zaps me and then it gives me some truth. So if, I'm, if the Holy Spirit, uh, if I'm going to be in, speaking in accord with the Holy Spirit, that means I'm speaking in accord with God's revealed teaching in, in Holy Scripture. And now having said that, it says here that every person or spirit that declares that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, uh, uh, that person uh, is from God and uh, has the Holy Spirit. And I want to make a couple comments on that. First of all, here we see that, that for John, uh, it's important to recognize that the true Jesus is the one, the eternal Son of God, who is now in human flesh. There is no other Jesus. And it's important to remember that, that for, for John, you know, because there's a lot of people in the world that talk about Jesus and even Jesus being the Christ, but they mean that he's only a human being. But but for John, if you go to the, the, the look at his epistle and then, of course, his gospel, John is very clear that, that, that Jesus the Christ is the eternal Son of God in human flesh. Uh, and so it's this Jesus that we must confess. Um, and, and so any other Jesus that is being confessed, 
uh, 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 if people say, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Well, who's your Jesus? Well, he was a nice spiritual guru, but he wasn't God. Okay, that's not the true Jesus. Uh, for John to say that Jesus the Christ has come in the flesh means that, that the true Jesus that we confess is, is true God, true man. And, and by the way, he is still true God, true man. John assumes that. It's not like Jesus left behind his body when he ascended. Uh, the incarnation is now an eternal reality for the Son of God. And so it's this Jesus that we must confess. And then one other thing I want to add, it's important that we don't think of this in a very minimalistic way. It's not like John is saying, well, as long as somebody believes that Jesus is the incarnate Son of God, then anything else they teach is fine. It's just, you know, we just want to make sure they mm-hmm. believe that. And because, you know, you'll have people today who, who will say, well, yeah, I believe Jesus is the incarnate Son of God, but I also believe abortion's okay. I also believe uh, fornication's okay. I also believe, you know, same-sex marriage uh, is fine. And, and no, for John, to, to call, uh, to, to believe in, in, in Jesus, who is the eternal Son of God in human flesh, is all to also to embrace his teaching. You can't separate the two. Uh, I, I think of what Jesus himself says in John 8, you know, if, if you are truly my disciples, you will remain in my teaching. And, and we even see this in 1 John. I mean, here he's making it very clear that we need to confess who Jesus is. But all throughout his epistle, he makes it very clear that you cannot separate uh, Jesus and his teaching. So, for example, earlier in, in 1 John 3, to, to say that you believe in the true Jesus and yet hate your brother, you can't do that. Um, and so, uh, again, back here in First John 4, 2, he's not being minimalistic, saying, well, as long as people believe in the incarnate Son of God, everything else goes. No, he's, he's saying, if you believe that Jesus is the incarnate Son of God, then you will also say amen to all his teaching. And so anybody who doesn't do that is not of the Holy Spirit. And it's very clear on this. I, I, I love this language, and it very much so relates to remind you, our listeners, of how we confess our faith as Lutherans. Um, and ironically, because it's based on the Word of God. But whenever we confess what we believe, you know, I believe in the Holy Spirit, that we also, when you look at our confessional writings, like the Augsburg Confession, for example, will say what we do not believe. And that's very important for our world today because we can say Jesus is the Lord. And like you said, somebody then would say, yeah, Jesus is Lord. And at the same time, but all people are saved no matter what they believe. Like, okay, well, that's not the same thing. So then you have to say Jesus is Lord and those who are saved by faith in the one Jesus Christ, true God, true man, exactly how you confess it. And clearly John is confessing in a similar light because there was definitely spirits out there at that time. And Pastor, why is it important for us? And I I explained it, but do you want to add anything to this of why we confess what we believe, but we also have to confess what we don't believe in our culture, especially when you go to your Mormon friends and and witness to them. This is an important reality. So tell us, what are your thoughts? Well, I'll be very brief about this. Just for example, one of the things I'm going to point out to my Mormon friends tomorrow is that, you know, they'll say, well, we believe in Jesus. Okay, who is your Jesus? Well, he's big in the Mormonism. You find out that, first of all, their Jesus is not the Son of God from all eternity. Their Jesus actually had a beginning. He had a beginning as a spirit child, and then he became human and then evolved his way into godhood. Okay, uh, and of course, if you dig more into Mormonism, you find out that they have multiple gods. Uh, the God they call Father, 
uh, is a separate God from Jesus. And, 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 and the, the, the father in Mormonism also had a beginning. So he is not the eternal God of Holy Scripture. And, and so when you ask them to finally define their terms, which is something we have to do today, because there's a lot of people, a lot of groups that throw around uh, Trinity and Father and Son and Holy Spirit. But when you unpack what they teach, they mean totally different things. Their, their, their Jesus is not the Jesus of Holy Scripture. And so uh, today it's very, very important, uh, again, to test the spirits. And so if someone says, yeah, I believe in Jesus, okay, who do you believe Jesus is? And, and where do you find his teaching? You know, and, and that's another thing, too. Not, not only do you have some people who, who have the wrong Jesus because their Jesus does not fit uh, the, the, the description of the true Jesus in Holy Scripture, but, but when you find out what they believe their Jesus teaches, uh, uh, the teaching of their Jesus doesn't fit the teaching of the Jesus in Holy Scripture either. And, and it's surprising how many, uh, when we get back to the Holy Spirit, we, we have how many people and even church bodies you know, that have made uh, decisions in their conventions that are completely in opposition to Holy Scripture, and yet they'll say, but the Holy Spirit led us to this conclusion. You know, okay, mm-hmm. so, so now uh, uh, you, you can talk all day about the Holy Spirit leading you to believe something in your heart, but if that's in conflict with the Spirit-inspired testimony of Jesus' apostles, then you know it wasn't the Holy Spirit speaking to you. No, I'm going to have to apologize uh, because right now there's a major uh, rainstorm outside, tons of lightning. I'm kind of freaking out about if my electricity is going to go out here any time. So I forgot. Did I read verse three? Did I read verse three? No. I did. (laughs) I'm really sorry about that. It is like crazy amount of lightning. I've been threatened about 10 times. I thought electricity was going out. So I'm going to read verse three and then see if there's anything more you want to share. Verse three. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus, excuse me, that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So we learn about what God is. Okay, this is what the spirit of God is. And now we learn about what the spirit, small s, is. And how would you break that down? Because like I said, this is important as we just spoke about why we need to be clear with our words. So verse three, where do you want to start? Well, basically what what he's simply saying here is is that that any uh, person, uh, or or if you want to call it spirit, uh, because in this case, when he's talking about the smallest spirits, he's talking about a person, an individual who's making a confession, okay? Just like the Holy Spirit makes a confession, which is the absolute truth, of God, you have small s spirits who are also making a confession, but they do it as created beings. So the question is, are these created beings saying back to God what he has said to us, or are these created beings speaking from their own authority and sinful hearts? And so John is saying here, these, these, these persons, these spirits, if, if their confession is not uh, of the true Jesus or his teaching, uh, then you know not only they're not of God, but they're actually anti-Christ. They're, they're of the devil and in opposition to the truth. And now, of course, there's a lot of people who would be offended by that. Uh, 
Uh, I believe in God. Uh, you're saying I'm of the devil? But I find it very interesting uh, in John chapter 8, back to that again, Jesus is talking mm-hmm. with some very religious, pious Jews who, who claim to be very godly, and yet because they reject him, they, he, Jesus is very clear, by rejecting me, you're rejecting the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, therefore your father is not God, it is the devil. Now, of course, they didn't like that. <laughs> uh, but but that's the truth. John is saying, you know, people can talk about loving Jesus all day long, but if their Jesus is not the Jesus of Scripture, if the teaching of their Jesus is not the teaching of Jesus we find in the New Testament, then they can talk about Jesus all day long, but their father is really the devil. And that's what's so striking with this verse, is that it doesn't say, well, we're going to agree to disagree. You know, it doesn't say it doesn't say something simple like, well, you're, you know, you're just a little bit off. I mean, when he says the word antichrist and we see this throughout this book, first John in the first John, that is serious business because that is that is not only like a little bit off. That is you are against Christ. You are against his word. And that's where we we well, like all of us, we need to repent when it does not 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 confessed clearly and make sure oh holy spirit keep us in the one true faith so uh first three verses anything else you want to add one brief thing i i want to especially for people who are listening to this i think it's important that we make a distinction between um true believers who are still growing and learning and asking Mm -hmm. questions Mm -hmm. you know uh, obviously a baptized toddler uh, is not going to know as much as a, a, an adolescent who's been confirmed. And an adolescent who's been confirmed is not going to know as much as an adult who studied the Bible for 20 years. And an adult layman who studied the Bible for 20 years probably isn't going to know as much as a, uh, a person who's had eight years of, of uh, study at the seminary and knows Greek and Hebrew. The point is, we're all always growing and learning. Uh, so the question is, you know, sometimes we might even hold error and don't realize it. The question is, are you teachable? Uh, are you willing to submit to the truth given to us through Jesus via his apostles? And, and so I make a distinction between someone who believes in the true Jesus but is still learning and, and needs to be taught versus someone who has been given the truth, and then when they hear the truth, they say, no, I don't want that. Okay, so there's a difference between, on the one hand, faith-seeking understanding, and on the other hand, deliberately rebelling against better knowledge. And and, and then here, John is talking about those whose confession is in direct conflict with Holy Scripture, and they're not teachable. Uh, instead, uh, rather than coming and saying, hey, I still have a lot to learn, w- would you uh, help me understand the teaching of Christ's apostles? Instead, they're coming and saying, I'm the authority. You listen to me. And, and here John says, if, if they come to you with a teaching that's in conflict with Christ and his teaching, then you know they are the Antichrist. It's, it's, and this is, I, I appreciate that distinction because, for example, when I was at camp, I worked at camp, what was then Camp Sunrise out in New York in the Adirondack Mountains, I can guarantee there were times we said things, proclaimed things that were not exactly clear. I will say that to be very generous of myself and my colleagues. And and we speak about this with my friends all the time. And even when you're younger, I love how you use that connection of the small toddler. I mean, the small toddler. 
father is going to be like, well, Jesus, you know, Jesus is, is, you know, he's great, but he's not God because God is the father. And then you're like, well, let's let's take a step back. You know, let's teach us again. So I love that distinction. Remember your identity as a baptized child of God, saved by grace alone, faith alone, by Christ alone. You got to keep that distinction, but also we're continually growing and he gives us the right words by his spirit. And that distinction Finally, like you said, and this is important for me especially, is that he's really speaking about those who are anti the faith, who have heard it and heard all the truth and said, no, I don't believe it. And not only that, but they are preaching against it, which is so key as you look at this, because we can get really motivated to try to find antichrists everywhere as opposed to faithfully preach the word and let the Holy Spirit lead and guide us. So, Pastor, anything else on that? Because that was a very helpful distinction. Thank you. Yeah, I always have more, but we don't have time, so let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Verse 5. In verse 5, they are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Well, I'm going I'm to stop there just because I think that's a very important thing. Is that you look at John when he speaks, for God so loved the world. So when he speaks about the world in a John language, um, that it's very clear that he's speaking here about uh, uh, not a, a, the God world. Like the, the, he's speaking about the brokenness and the evil of the world. Yes. So any yes. any thoughts on that? Because that's a very important distinction. Yes. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, the Bible is clear that creation itself is good, that the material world is good. Uh, we're going to live forever in the physical bodies and the physical new creation. So here, when, when John talks about the world, again, the context determines. Um, uh, for John, uh, in, in context like this, the world is referencing uh, uh, the, the spirits of the world that are in opposition to the Word of God. So, so the world would be uh, any worldview and any teaching that is in direct conflict with the truth of God. And and so he's basically saying uh, those who are not not teachable, those who who, uh, know the faith once for all and trusted the saints and have rejected it, uh, they belong to the world. And they're also going to attract people uh, who want to hear what their itching ears want to hear. Um, and, and, and that can get very discouraging, uh, uh, especially when, when, you, when you start to feel like you're in the minority. Um, and, and then that's why I love what, what uh, John said in verse 4, um, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Uh, we have right. to remember that, that even if we're lone voices in, in a world filled with unbelievers, the victory has already been won. Okay. Uh, when we talk about there being a devil, we're not dualists. We don't believe that God is the good force and the devil is the bad force, and we have to find out which one will win. No, God is the creator, and the victory's already won. And and the evil spirit, the created spirit, the devil, and, and those who follow them, um, uh, they they might rage for a while, but but their their doom is certain. And and so John here reminds us, you know, speak the truth uh, that's been given to you by the Spirit through Christ's apostles, and even if you feel like you're in the minority, remember the greater is the one in you than, than the, the Spirit in the world. And that's what's great about verse 4. You know, it reminds us of Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. And a reminder that this Lord is not just, you know, a far-off force, but this Lord lives in you, and he is greater than the world because he has overcome the world. That's a great context, too, in verse 4, because we can get the impression that I can overcome the devil, 
as opposed to realizing that we depend on the Lord to overcome his evil, evil ways. And that's another important distinction. Pastor, uh, as we look at four and five, any, anything else? Oh, he references little children. This goes back to your talk about the toddler who confesses that Jesus loves me. This I know that in many ways we don't ever really get beyond that. (laughs) And so he speaks that way throughout this book, which I thought was a good connection to what you said prior. Anything else in verses four and five? Well, not only does he talk about us being children in the sense that we're always being given to by God, but, but also mm. j- just by calling us children, uh, it's just a very brief way of saying you're children of God. He, he alludes to that uh, mm-hmm. earlier in his book. Uh, you, you, you have been, the whole idea of, of children, too, speaks of the fact that God has given birth to you. You think of, of Jesus' words in John 3, you know, you've been born again from above. Uh, and and mm-hmm. so uh, the, the reference of us being children is that that, that we have been given the, the life of God again by the Holy Spirit. Like it says in the Nicene Creed, the Lord and giver of life. So uh, as Luther said in the Catechism, the Spirit works through the gospel, baptism, preaching of the Word, uh, to create and sustain faith in our lives. And it's because of that we are God's children. So as we look at this, it is um, very important that we, we are reminded continuously that there is brokenness, brokenness in this world. At the same time, to reminder, as you said so well, that you are not alone. In our church body, our, our district, we just had a district convention. And sometimes, you know, us pastors go to these conventions every three. Well, this year it's been four years. And it can get kind of long and the business gets long. But what's amazing to me is I met a number of laity, including my own lay person who came with me, and they all will say, I feel so encouraged because everyone is there in the name in, in the God's name, and, and they'll say in the name of Jesus, and now I know I am not alone. Not only do we know that Christ is always with us and in us, as you spoke about baptism, but also the fruit from that spirit, right? This goes back to Galatians 5. The fruit of the spirit gathers these folks, as it says in the small catechism as well. And they sit there and they just are thankful because they know they're not alone. Not only in my church, but the wider church and throughout the world that the church confesses this Christ who has died for them. I thought that was really profound and very helpful as we look at these words too. Pastor, any thoughts? Yes, and... and, and- uh, you know, it, it's not only is it comforting, you know, when I get together at, at district conventions or even a synodical convention, or I think of our national youth gathering this summer, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, to remind us that, that we are a synod, we're, we're individual congregations who walk together and encourage each other in the faith, the truth of Christ. And then, uh, and even though I'm thankful for the Missouri Synod and that God uses us as, as a witness in the world today, we also have to remember that the church is bigger than us, too. Mm-hmm. That, that there have been faithful confessors since the time of the apostles uh, that are all part of, of, of the church, of all believers of all times and places. And, and, and one day we will stand with all those saints before Christ. Uh, and that is a reality, and, and, and that's very comforting. You know, I, I, like Jesus says, you know, the gates of hell cannot, uh, 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 you know, conquer the church. And so, you know, I think that's especially important to remember if you're a Christian in, in like China or North Korea or the Middle East, you have to remember you're part of something bigger and nothing will shake that church. So let's get to our last verse. And it, it, this is all identity. 
And it's so important for us. He brings us back, especially to move forward to our with uh, Pastor Nabil Newer, as we're going to go through God is love, and it just fills us with so much. It's almost like to me, verse six is the beginning of this, like it's like an appetizer for the rest of the full meal deal of God's love that we'll have. But here begins, reminds us who we are. Verse six, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So right beginning, identity. We are from God. Why is that important as John proclaims this? Yeah, and here uh, I I think uh, that word we here is very significant because I think it it, it means two things. First, I think John uh, primarily uh, the we refers ultimately to the apostles. You know, I I think of what Jesus said to his apostles, whoever listens to you listens to me. Okay, so we are from God. The person who knows God listens to us. Okay, Um, and so if people reject the writings of the apostles, they're not from God. Um, But but in the sense that we also applies to all believers insofar as they are saying amen to Jesus through the words of the apostles. So if I'm preaching a faithful sermon on Sunday, that is simply echoing Christ's words given to me through the apostles, uh, I can say without being arrogant, okay, if you listen to me, you're listening to God. If you're rejecting me, you're rejecting God. Not because the authority lies in me, but because I'm simply conveying to you that which is of Christ, given by his apostles, and I'm simply repeating their words to you. So, um, again, when it says we belong in God, of course, that refers to all Christians in general, but I think here it's a a special reminder that that we also refers to the apostolic teaching that is the Word of Christ. And and as long as we're speaking in accord with that, uh, those who hear us, we know that they have the Spirit of God, but those who reject the clear teaching of the apostles uh, through any believer, then, then sadly they're rejecting God's own teaching. And so it, it sounds like John's being really arrogant here, but he's just simply yeah. making the point. <laughs> it, it, we're simply making the point, you know, if you're speaking the truth of Christ and people reject it, it it's not you they're rejecting, they're rejecting Christ. And that, and that is a great point with this, because we can read this through 21st century eyes and go, well, that's awfully arrogant. That whoever yeah. knows God listens to us, you know, kind of like, well, I know it all. How about you? But when you read it in context, especially all of chapter four, it's very clear that their confession of faith, their proclamation that they were having, whether it was a, you know, a small church or a home or whatever it might be, that they were very clear in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that that he loved us and sent his son to be the person for our sins. We love because he first loved us. Right there, if you do not listen to that message, which is what us was preaching, that's bad English, but I'm saying it, um, then then we, then we they are clearly outside and outside of the Holy Spirit and in error. So uh, in, in Eli- we have about a minute and a half left. Pastor, any thoughts on that before we get to our end? Well- I think this is especially going to be an abrasive teaching in our culture where so many people have embraced relativism. You know, there is no absolute truth. And, and, and in response to that, we say, yes, there is. God is truth. Well, then, of course, the question is, well, how do you know what his t- truth is? He's revealed to, it, to us through his prophets and apostles. And, and, and that's why John can arrogantly say, we have given you the truth. You, you go back, 
the very uh, back to the very first verses of of first john he says the word of life existed from the beginning and we have heard it and i think there john is saying i i was an eyewitness of this i heard jesus teach i touched him i followed him and and i'm conveying his teaching to you and so uh in a world that has embraced relativism we offer the truth uh to a world that desperately needs it Pastor, 30 seconds left in our time. Uh, summarize our, summarize these words from John, and incur- how will you encourage our listeners? Well, again, I, I would say that the, the importance of, for us to remain in Scripture, uh, to continue to, to study the teaching of Christ delivered to us once and for all by His apostles, uh, and, and then uh, uh, conveying that in loving ways to the people of the world. Obviously, we don't want to teach in an obnoxious, hateful way, but we speak the truth in love, as Paul says in the book of Ephesians, and then if people throw it back in our face, we don't get discouraged, we just continue to speak the truth in love and and pray for those who are still in the darkness. Pastor Tom Eckstein of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota, giving us God's strong word from 1 John chapter 4. Pastor Eckstein, a blessed Easter to you, and thank you for bringing us his gifts. My privilege. Thank you. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.